Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am your host, Pastor Alex, and we are back at it with a, uh, call it a semi-bonus episode, if you would. Uh, We're going to be doing these, uh, I think, ongoing between now and whenever. Um, Anytime we come to the end of a book, we finished Amos last week, uh, so that will be, you know, kind of the deciding factor and then we'll do a topical episode uh in between books and you know or maybe we'll do a Q&A episode maybe we'll do uh a guest interview or a panel discussion we'll, we'll do all that kind of stuff on uh the in-betweens so now if we go through a book that's only got like one or two chapters and it only takes one or two weeks to do we'll probably just move right into the next one but if it's more than three or four weeks in a particular book then we'll take that break uh, in the middle there uh, or at the end of the book in, in hopes that you'll be able to, um, you know, you're not going to get drowned out with just constant books and books, books, you know, I want to provide some, some other doctrinal discussions and tips and helpful, uh, pieces to the Lutheran faith as we kind of are moving in and through that direction. So, um, today's episode is going to be based upon a very hot topic. Um, and it's nothing controversial, but it's a hot topic and it seems to uh, disrupt a lot of people and get a lot of people a little angry um, and people get very uh, defensive. And so we're going to talk about works, obedience, and salvation today. So uh, I put a post up on my page on Instagram um, earlier this week. Well, by the time this airs, it'll be like two weeks ago. And... Um, uh, let's see here. I'm going to actually try and pull it up again here. Oh, who is it? Oh, Rachel Jankovic. I, I guess that's how you pronounce her last name. Anyways, she says in this post, I want to read the whole thing because I think it's only fair to, um, to, you know, give the whole context, get the whole context. That's appropriate and honest and fair. But this 
picture was shared to me and it says shamelessly call women to obedience and you who I'm not getting ahead of scripture. Here is James being super pointed and awkward. Faith without works is dead. That means that works obedience where there is faith. There is a simply an indicator of a living faith. I do not believe that we earn our salvation with obedience or anything, but we do express our salvation through obedience. Faith is a gift. Obedience is a gift. Having faith is obedience because we are told to have it. Obedience is faith because it is an expression of it. Real faith and obedience go hand in hand. So that's the quote. And I got some backlash. I had a lot of backlash over it because uh, according to everybody, I was taking it out of context and, and I was twisting her words. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to get into um, is the notion of scripture and um, works and salvation. I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about all of that in hopes that we can try and get to a coherent understanding of this post. Now, before we get into all that, it is Friday. And so I want to make sure that you guys, if you listen, it is Friday. I just said that, but it's the, you know, uh, trash can of, uh, housekeeping items that I must deliver. I don't have to, I guess not must, but I should, I do Uh, Tuesdays just straight into the doctrine. Fridays, I kind of have more opening banter and I, and I want to not really take up a ton of time and and open with banter, but, uh, I really, you know, want to stress that this show is listener supported. We survive purely by you, um, contributing to this ministry. You'll get a, a plethora of bonus perks and things like that. Uh, but that helps keep this show free for you to listen to it on a regular basis. Now, again, if you can't contribute monetarily, and you want to pray, please absolutely pray for this ministry. If you want to just send some kind words of encouragement or you just want to chat, please do so. Uh, if you can't contribute the, uh, monetarily, then please look and see about subscribing on any podcast platform possible and leaving us reviews and sharing the shows out when they come out. So those are some other ways that you can help without having to actually give any sort of money. So uh, again, all of that stuff, I am deeply appreciative of all of you who listen. You guys make this show truly remarkable and allow me uh, to keep producing content for you. Um, my shows seem to, you know, I, I produce so much content. And so there, I always kind of determined the um, show to be kind of like a slow burner. And so like, I won't necessarily get a ton of listens on a new episode on that dra- the day it drops, but I'll get you know, within three or four weeks, I'll get hundreds of listens to it over time. And so then, cause like I was looking at my numbers the other day and I get, uh, um, you know, in-depth analytics of all my shows. And so I can say, okay, well, I'm going to look back at, you know, shows that were six months ago and they're at five, six, 700 listens, which is tremendous for me. And, uh, so it's a interesting, slow burner of a show. And, uh, but I, I do deeply appreciate all of you who listen, whether you're listening, um, in real time as it's dropping or within a few days or months or even a couple of years. I know some people circle back and listen to the older episodes too. 
So that's that. Let's get into the topic at hand, uh, and that's going to be works and this post. And I, I really want to um, try and and dig into where this lady is coming from. And I want to hopefully uh, expound a true biblical understanding. Now, uh, as far as I know, she holds to what would be called federal vision. And this federal vision uh, is a um, understanding of some various assets of doctrine from the reformed faith. It's kind of a fringed um, following. There's not a ton of people that follow this view, but there are some prominent people there like Doug Wilson uh, who you can take or leave. Some people say he's no longer a part of it. Some people still say he's just going off on, on a lighter scale. Uh, Jordan Cooper actually did a good video on this and uh, he, he would assign Doug Wilson to like, federal vision light, if you would. And then there are some others who are federal vision, you know, heavy or strong or whatever. And so as we understand that, and look, federal vision is a a complex topic. I'm not going to get into it on this episode, but it is, it does leave one heavy in the concept of obedience. And it means that there are or the, the, those who are in this view, who believe this, you know, and, and there's a lot of different little tangents that go into it, whether it's um, following through on a covenant or you have to be obedient to the covenant that you were brought into. I mean, it's, it's really kind of, again, some fringe beliefs, but when you start to unpack it, you start to see that there is a great emphasis on on obedience. And so the question then becomes obedience to what? Well, the only obedience that you can have would be to the law. And so you must be obedient to the law and they'll, they'll say, well, you got to be obedient to the law of Christ or you got to be obedient to what Christ says. Yes, true. But in that, that means you're still being obedient to the law. If you are, you know, taking whether, whether the commands, you know, came from, uh, Mount Sinai, or they came from the mouth of Jesus, which are both the same thing. Um, it, it, you know, whether you take them from, you know, Moses or Jesus in the new Testament, or you take it from the apostles, you know, where Paul commands us to live in a certain fashion. Peter tells us to live in a certain fashion. Um, we are following law because it is a do this and do that. Don't do this and don't do that. And from the Lutheran perspective, this is how we read and engage scripture. It's law, gospel, law, gospel distinction. It is uh, a reading of a passage and saying, okay, is this telling me to do something or is this giving me a promise? And I think sometimes we get caught up in the semantics of trying to really uh, find a means by which we usurp the law over the gospel. And I think we get ourselves tied up in this because we see so much law throughout scripture and we, we see it from Genesis to revelation. We see it 
all through the old prophets. We see it all in the new Testament. Law is present everywhere. Law is what governs our lives. And it's that series of don't do this and do, and don't do that and do this and do that. Live this way, behave this way, say these things. Don't say those things. It's all about, you know, kind of controlling, right? It's, that's what the law does. You know, it's the same, same thing that, you know, in the regular world where, you know, you're driving to town, there's a speed limit. You have to obey the speed limit. They have markers on the road that tell you when you can and cannot pass. You have signs on the side of the road that tell you either to stop or yield or a curve coming up, you know, so you have to be obedient to the laws of traffic in order to get to your destination safely. And so laws are everywhere we, we, we have in life. They are everywhere. And so it becomes natural, I think, for the human um, to pull it and say, well, if Jesus says this, then I must act in this way. I must be obedient in this fashion. I have to live my life in accordance to this. Otherwise, I will lose something. And they they could say, I'll either lose my salvation. I'll lose, you know, or I won't, you know, I'll lose favor with God or or something like that. And what we get from scripture, though, is nothing of that that picture that's being painted by some of these legalistic uh, fringe groups. What we get from scripture is a clear distinction between uh, law and gospel, the behavior of life, and the promise that God gives us. And so when I put this post out on Instagram, you know, a couple weeks ago now, uh, I, I didn't quite expect the backlash uh, that, that followed. I mean, there were some angry, angry people. And, and, and then there were people who were just like, you are wrong. And, you know, I, I can't believe you'd post this. And there's people that are, you know, encouraging it. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's just everybody comes from a different angle. And I want to make sure that you understand I never once said anything negative about Rachel. Uh, I ended up doing another video the next day, clarifying some of this. I never said anything negative about Rachel. I don't know Rachel. I don't follow her or her dad's theology. I don't agree with the federal vision. Um, and there's probably many other things that they believe that I don't, but they do have some kind of bleeded in beliefs that are, that are shared with Lutherans, but we won't, we don't acknowledge the entirety of the federal vision. And so when we, uh, and, and mainly I'm just saying that around pedo baptism, right? Baptizing infants, but they, they do so for a very different reason than we do. Um, so when I put that post up and I got all that backlash, I did another video, you know, trying to really draw people's attention to the fact that I'm not attacking her. I'm not telling you to, uh, take her and, and scrap her and throw her into, you know, the, the, the pile of heretics. I, I don't frankly know her. I've never heard of her before. And I just think that this one line is problematic. I said this one line, faith is obedience or obedience is faith. Obedience is faith. That is a problematic line. And, and I had people arguing with me, you know, well, you know, she, she even says that you're not saved by works. Correct. You're not James try if you read James in a in a really poor hermeneutical fashion that's what you're going to get you're going to get a workspace righteousness and you're going to see when he says that faith without works is dead 
you're going to be like, well, I better make sure my, my works are up. So I have faith. Well, you don't get faith by works or obedience. So when we, when I pondered this episode today, I really wanted to find a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I think so often, especially from a pastor's standpoint, and I, and I, this, this is the really great thing here. Look, I'm not the smartest crayon in the box, uh, brightest crayon in the box. You could say, uh, I'm not the smartest person in the pulpit. I'm not the most intelligent human on social media. I am far from any of that. I am just an average small town seminary student, pastor, father, husband, podcaster. That's it. That's all I am. And I, I am as simple as they come. But in the responses that I received on this post, um, you know, I got some people that told me I was wrong. I got some people that said big swing and a miss from you. And I had, you know, I had a lot of people that were really trying to argue with me to, to the, you know, very fundamental end that I'm wrong. And, and look, I'll be the first to admit I, if I'm, if I am wrong, please come and correct me. I, I have, I want to be better. I want to learn. I want to use my mistakes, my errors of the past to help me, you know, catapult into the future. I want to be able to take this and apply this to my church. But what I think, uh, often happens is people really kind of missed the, the, the kind of pastoral need for clarifying this post. And on the post, you know, in the video and on both, I really stress that we are not saved uh, by our works. We are not saved um, by obedience. We're not saved by any of that stuff. And so um, what it really comes down to is this, this one little line. And that's what I was really trying to stress. And they, they, a lot of people didn't care to hear my comments. And then they wanted to continue to argue with me further. And look, I get people that argue with me. Uh, if I were to put a post out and say the sky is blue, I'm going to get people that are going to be, no, it's gray in my place or, oh no, it's dark. So it's black here. <laughs> you know, I, people are going to argue with you regardless. And I put a post up on Twitter the other day and it kind of poked fun at it. It's like, you know, you can say that you like apples uh, and that's it. And then somebody's going to chime in. Well, what about bananas? Don't you like them? Or how about oranges? You know, it, it, people are just, they're going to c- come after you. So I don't have a problem with any of that. But what I have a problem with is the really poor understanding of that, that phrasing. So when James says that works or faith without works is dead, when he says that, he's talking about your faith being a instrument to allow good works to come in it doesn't, it, it's just basically saying this from a, the opposite perspective of how Paul engages it. When he says that we are saved by faith alone and we are <clears throat> not saved by our works, we are, we, we, we see two kind of parallels. And, and, and really, some people would argue that this is a contradiction because James is telling us that we must be obedient or, or to display faith uh, in our works, and that's how people will know we're saved. You can argue with John too, that John says that they will know us by our love. Um, but it all comes back to the same fundamental aspect. How does faith come? How do works come? 
and our works dependent upon our obedience and faith or is our faith dependent upon our works and obedience? So if we jump to Romans 10, we see Paul will give us this beautiful analogy. And I'm going to read uh, Romans 10 verses 10 through 17 because I feel like many uh, tend to kind of brush these verses off um, and or they might cherry pick a little bit. Um, In fact, you know, if you read the whole context of 10, it it really gives us a really beautiful picture, but we're just going to read these seven verses for the heart. One believes and is justified with the mouth. One confesses and is saved. This is a referring back to verse nine, verse 11 for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call him for everyone who calls on his name of the Lord will be saved. How then, can they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the sweet uh, the feet of those who preach the good news, but they have not but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So that's what Paul writes. And I think it's a beautiful demonstration of how one gets faith. You are saved by faith. He writes us in Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. He says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So Paul makes it very clear here. You have faith. You have this ability to make a proclamation. If we were to dial back to look at verse 9, verse 9 in Romans would tell us uh, that those who believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the grave uh, will be saved. Paraphrasing the verse. If you believe with this and proclaim with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. And so we are justified, as Paul says, because he goes on, he says, for the heart, one believes and is justified. The heart, you are justified by your belief. Your belief is faith. And the mouth, one confesses and is saved. It's the same thing. When you believe in your heart, you will confess that with your mouth and you'll be saved. And so Paul goes on to really clarify this element of salvation coming through the preaching word. God uses a means to deliver grace. God uses a means, the preacher, his word to save people. Now, if we jump over to Ephesians and we read Ephesians chapter two, verses eight, nine, uh, we see that uh, Paul's writing that this is a gift. This faith is a gift. It has nothing to do with anything that you've done. It is not dependent upon how you uh, act or live or any of that sort. This is a gift from God, not a result of works that no one may boast. So here's the big thing with these federal visions, and, and, and maybe I'm painting too broad of a stroke with them, but we'll, we'll just say with the legalistic camp, those who are entrenched in a legalistic mindset, those who are entrenched with the obedience, they will tout against 
you know, your works. They will say that you must be demonstrating. But what is obedience? If we look at scripture, obedience is simply believing the promise of Jesus Christ. That is in itself the most fundamental aspect that we can get to, uh, to, to understanding what obedience is. And now from the demonstration of our belief, we can start to say, okay, obedience now will broaden its stroke and look at, you know, the demonstration of our faith. Basically would come to a, you know, works or serving uh, others, showing our love and appreciation. And so when we start to understand the most fundamental aspect of obedience, it really is the believing in the promise. That is, that is the most fundamental thing because here's the thing. You may not be able to quote unquote do works or be obedient that the, you know, for instance, the Calvinistic or reform community would, would approve of, uh, let's say you're handicapped. Uh, let's say you can't, uh, you can't actually go out and, you know, work in a soup kitchen or you can't go out and help your homeless neighbor, uh, or you can't go out and, you know, and, and help the kids down the street who have no Christmas gifts. Like you, you, you are physically handicapped and you have no ability to do that. We, we try to make work such a big thing in the Christian circle. And yet I think we miss some of the most beautiful and fine tune good works that people can do. And that is love other people. You can show your love. You can demonstrate your love because Christ loves you. And so when you can do that, then you are being obedient. You are demonstrating the love that Christ has for you and replicating that to those around you. So when we start to pick up on this works-based living here, uh, they're going to tell us, you know, that we, you know, have to be, you know, we have to demonstrate our faith by our works. And this is where we get this, you know, the muddiness in I think some of the Protestant circles, because we want to, we want, we want people to see that we're Christians, right? We want people to know, uh, that we're Christians and, you know, they'll know us by our love though. We'll be able to demonstrate fruit. And we, we, you know, and here's the thing, like when Paul writes about being the vines and Jesus, the vine dresser, and he would prune the vines, those that are unfruitful, uh, we get into this, you know, fear driven mindset of, I must be producing good works. Otherwise Jesus may prune me off and I'm, you know, and I'm going to lose my salvation. No, that's not ever (laughs) indicated there in the passage. It's, you know, I I tie all of these things back to like the sower of the seed. There will be people who will rise up in the church and who claim to be believers and they will have the gift of salvation and they will acknowledge the gift of salvation and then they'll turn their backs on it. Jesus will prune those, those dead uh, vines off of the greater plant because they are un- it would be unfruitful uh, as a gardener to have a lot of dead in with a lot of good life. So you go through every spring and you prune back or you you know sometimes you can do it in the fall and you prune back the dead uh, and then you assess through the winter and see what you need to do and in the spring you, you you know you cultivate what's the good life left in the plant. You know, we got some rose bushes out back in our house here. And so every uh, every spring I come through, well, every fall I usually trim them back. And then in the spring I'll come back and cut down anything that's dead or didn't come back through the winter. 
and I'll try and allow just the new growth then to uh, be be rampant throughout the the spring and summer months. And that is just good practice. Uh, I'm not a perfect rose gardener, but I'm learning. But Jesus is the perfect vine dresser, and he has nothing to learn. And so when Jesus does something, he it is perfectly righteous and 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 awesome. So, all right, back to the original topic at hand for this kind of long-winded episode is obedience equal to faith. Well, we see that obedience is a result of faith. We see obedience, if we want to say the the act of one uh, consistently believing, then yes, we would say obedience is a result of faith. It is not the actual act of faith. Obedience is not equal to faith itself. Faith is a gift from God. We are saved by faith, not by our works. And so obedience is the result. The the ability to believe, the ability to show others that we believe, to be able to share the gospel with others, to be able to help our neighbors when they need it, that is all obedience. And, you know, I, I go on to say Luther's probably more, more prominent quote, you know, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. And so uh, when I put that post up, I, you know, I didn't quite expect some of the criticism that I got, but it, it really started to show uh, the, the, the kind of status of the online Christian community. And, and how ingrained uh, they are with this concept of having to demonstrate works or to demonstrate their obedience. And, and it's one of those things, it's like it almost goes against exactly what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 when they are boasting about it. And they don't do it like blatantly. They do it very subtly, you know. And, it, and it's just, and, and I've had numerous conversations with people that have brought me to that conclusion and I think we we can get so easily lost in this you know mindset of having to be obedient you know we talked about that earlier in the show where law is just around us constantly and so it just makes sense you know as a parent you know I want my kids to do certain things and so if I tell my daughter to pick up something that's a command I'm giving her the law she has to clean this up if I tell her you know, it's time for bed, then it's time for bed. There's no negotiating or arguing. That is the law. And so I think we get ourselves so tied into this notion that we love and, and you know, we won't admit it, but we love the law. We love the confinement. We love to be told how to do things from A, B, and C. And so I'm not overly shocked with the, you know, climate of Christianity on, on social media, but it really does sadden me when we can't seem to have healthy discussions across various topics and we get angry with each other. And then on stuff like this, where you, you draw the line in the sand, you know, I've had people that were like, well, I'm unfollowing you. This is a ridiculous post. And I'm like, I'm simply stating that your obedience is not your faith. They're not equal. They're not the same thing. You know, and so I just wanted to do an episode uh, as a bonus between books, and I wanted to talk about, you know, this this post, and, and most importantly, talk about salvation 
and faith and works. And there's, there's so much more that can be said on this topic. And this is certainly not exhaustive. You know, Luther did a lot of great works, uh, wrote a lot of books on works and did a lot of, to help the Christian understand the complexities of the life of a Christian. And so I would urge you as you are listening to this, if you are curious on how or what to do in your next steps, go and grab Luther's Freedom of a Christian. It's free online. You can just search Martin Luther, Freedom of a Christian, and there'll be a handful of PDFs that pull up. It's a couple pages long. It's not very long to read. Go read it, and you will see the sweetness that Christians have been given that free us from the the bonds and shackles of obedience because we are no longer called to be obedient to the law. We are called by grace and said we are forgiven for our inability to be obedient to the law. So I'm going to leave it with that. Go read Martin Luther's Freedom of a Christian, and we will talk about this topic more and more uh, as the you know series in Lutheran theology moves on and other times that we have Friday you know, in between episodes. I don't know what I'm going to call these yet, but just something fun to have. And I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. And uh, if you do have any questions, feel free to leave me uh, some comments or shoot me a DM or something, and I'll be glad to answer them. Until then, have a great weekend. God bless. Get your butts in church. We'll see you on Tuesday. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.